Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I thought I loved you Somewhere in the dark Hello and welcome to the Robert Lane Creative Careers Podcast, the podcast about creativity and making a living in the arts. This episode of the podcast features a conversation with musician and voice actor Garrett Wall. It would be fantastic if you could rate, review and subscribe to the podcast, as doing that helps more people to discover it. It's also very useful when I'm talking to potential new guests, as it shows that people are listening. Thank you. I have a new album out. It's called Homeworking and is available now on Bandcamp to stream, download and buy physical copies. It will be available everywhere else on the 5th of November. It would be amazing if you could take a look at the album and consider buying it, as all sales help me to make more. All the details, as well as information about other projects that I'm working on, can be found on my website, robertlaymusic.co.uk, and you can find me all over social media as Robert Lane Music. Here's a bit of the title track from the album. Here's my conversation with Garrett Wall. Hi, Garrett. How are you? Not too bad. Not too bad, Rob. Good to see you. Yes. Good to hear you. Yeah, you too. <laughs> um, what's happening? What am I interrupting to talk to you today? What would be a normal day at the moment for you? Um, well, a normal day would usually be getting the kids. I have two young daughters. One is just uh, one year and nine months. She'll be two in January. So you can you can imagine she's she's the handful at the moment. Awesome. And I have another daughter who's nine. So the stress this morning was getting her in her Halloween costume. <laughs> and well, my wife Abby was was doing all the hard work on that. And um, because they celebrate Halloween in school here on the Friday, so they all go dressed up, and you know the whole school goes dressed up and everything. So that was this morning. But usually when they're both. As we say, when both chickens are in the basket, <laughs> when they're both at school and and the, the guardia, we call in Spain the Montessori or or sort of um, kindergarten is called the guardia, which mm-hmm. basically means the because guardar is like just to keep or to save or whatever you know. So um, yeah, so I, I would if I don't have any work in the morning, if I don't have any recordings, I'll always try to get out for a walk, like a five k walk or something. I'm very lucky that I live in the countryside, so. You know, I walk 200 meters down the road and I'm, and I'm in the fields and I usually do like a sort of a, a big loop of the village. It's about 5K. And uh, and that I love that. If I don't do that daily, I feel I feel awful. But, you know, I can't every day, obviously, if I work or or whatnot, you know. So um, but this morning, yes, yeah, it's, it's quiet enough. So uh, it's a perfect opportunity to chat to you. Oh, so it's great. good. Um, and you're <laughs> near Madrid, I think. Is that right? Ish? Yeah, just outside Madrid. Uh, I live in a small pueblo called Serrafines, which is about forty about forty minutes from uh, sort of the the capital from Madrid. Uh, but I, you know, I, luckily I don't have to drive that often in traffic, so I can get in in about thirty five minutes at a push, and and it's great. You know, it, it's kind of best of both worlds because uh, you know to drive out of the city, be able to be in the countryside. Mm. Uh, you know, there's a quite quite a difference in prices as well, even mm. forty minutes from Madrid. Um, 
and and it's lovely just to be in the countryside and you know having two kids it's it's a better quality of life i think as well you know mm-hmm. uh but I, I usually drive into madrid maybe it depends one week i might be in there every day of the week you know recording and then there might be a week and a half to go by and i don't need to be in there so it's it's kind of it's, it's good that way mm-hmm. yeah yeah so tell me about that 5k walk then is that a just a health mental health physical health thing or is it actually part of your creativity do you find that you're in that walk having ideas lyric wise and that sort of stuff as well it, it, that that definitely happens yeah i mean there every time i go for a walk i mean when i when i walk and i, I have songs in my mind at the time it always helps to clear uh you know get lyrical ideas or but but i, I mainly do it for for physical health because mm-hmm. you know i i mean it's it, walking for me I, i've stopped running because i'm 54 now so you know running is not really something i mean i used to be a, a, a you know an avid runner and um but just uh yeah as i got older i figured now nah, you know walking is actually just as enjoyable and as healthy for you and um so I, I do that so i guess it's it's both a physical and a mental thing because for me if i feel i'm active and doing something i feel better about myself obviously um and it it does help me clear my thoughts i always feel more positive after a walk mm. i always feel you know i've done something you know productive uh worked up a sweat um you know and i i sometimes come back from a walk really enthused and ready to to do whatever i have to do that day mm. so um so it's an important part of my routine. Uh, it's harder. It's been harder to do since uh, the young baby was born because, you know, I used to go out in the evenings and walk a lot. But now it's it's harder to do that because, you know, it's all hands on deck kind of thing. So the mornings for me, like I have about three or four hours in the morning where I can I can record without any interruption as well. I can walk. I can, you know, do stuff that needs more concentration in that sense. Yeah. Mm. So it definitely helps. And you enjoy that mix of sometimes you're in town, a studio, sometimes you're working from home. Would it be, would you get fed up if it was just one or the other the whole time? Is the mix good? Yeah, you definitely get, well, I mean, I, I used to record um, all the time in town. I, in fact, I only took up recording at home uh, probably just before the, the pandemic mm-hmm. and became better at it during the pandemic. It was something I never really considered myself to be a technician at all. So mm. I didn't want to get into worrying about sound and mm-hmm. worrying about, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, but my, my brother-in-law, Pablo, he set up a little system at home, just mic, uh, preamp, Mac, and that's all he had. And just by watching him record, he, I used to go over there at the odd time and he'd record me if I needed something. And then I realized, well, hey, I can do this at home. It's not, it's not difficult. I use GarageBand. It's the most basic uh, recording uh, sort of setup, but it actually works perfectly for if you want a good quality vocal that's all I need, you know, and and uh, and I've expanded on that a little bit. I've done some recording. Uh, I even released a, a track of Track Dogs during the lockdown that I recorded all of it at home, edited everything, and then sent it away to be mixed. So that was, I felt like, wow, that's not too bad. That was a good accomplishment, you know. Um, but yeah, but it, it's, but I, but I like being able to get into town one day, hang out, hang out in Madrid. Uh, you know, soak up the the atmosphere in there. The you know, it, it always surprises me how many people are in Madrid because when you're living in the pueblo and it's very deserted half the time, hmm. you go into Madrid. And I remember when I used to live there. I lived in I lived in the center of Madrid for probably ten years, and it's just you know, it's a great buzz and it's always fun if you've got a job in the morning and then maybe one in the afternoon and you can stop by and have a nice menu del dia, which is you know a, a three course lunch that they most restaurants put on here in Madrid um for anything from 10 to 15 euros so so it's great you know it's always and it's also a little break from from home you know i I can sort of (laughs) escape for a few hours and you know yeah i know exactly that sounds great that thing from from recording at home then i find that really interesting i've gone through a very similar thing i've always demoed at home but then i've gone into other people's studios to do the the posh bit and it was exactly the same thing i feel like i've got an ability for arranging and knowing you know how things should sound but it always yeah. felt a bit too much like science to me to then be worried about eqs and yeah all that kind yeah. of stuff it's weird like i've got a music a level uh music tech a level so i should know about but i always just find it a bit but it's that voice in your head that goes oh no you couldn't do that people will know if you've done that at home and then <laughs> i guess the pandemic's probably done this for a lot of people you just sort of go fuck it let's just do it anyway and yeah. then you put something out and people don't judge it you know for that basis so you sort of go oh okay then and then there's this whole and i don't think i'll always do it i'm sure i'll go into studios again 
but there is that thing of like I could kind of write something this afternoon and record it this mm. evening and potentially do something with it tomorrow. And then just the money that we've spent in studios over know, the time. So all of that stuff is very attractive. But then I guess for you as well as the music side, it means that you can be doing voiceovers and that side of things at home as well. Yeah, I mean, like it's great to be able to demo songs. You know, I'll, I'll demo a few songs and, and send them off to the guys to listen to. Um, or a songwriting, uh, I haven't done too much songwriting uh with uh, I mean collaborating where I would record something at home and send it off to somebody sure. that's something I'm starting to do more of at the moment um, and it's uh, you know because the opportunities there or the, the possibilities are, are huge but but yeah I mean I mainly I mainly sort of I needed to record at home mainly for the voiceover work because yeah. I was getting jobs where they'd say right if you can record this at home perfect you know and during the pandemic I was very lucky because I did, I only had maybe like a 15, 20% drop in, in work overall. And, and I was doing half of it in at home. So mm-hmm. I, I felt very fortunate and lucky mm-hmm. that I was able to, to, to kind of learn enough to do that. Yeah. And then when we, during pandemic, we bought uh, microphones and, and preamps for the rest of the band, just so that we could, all have something at home we could record dave could do a baseline or howard could do a trumpet or something so that's been helpful mm. you know being able to have that as a you know last minute uh, or or emergency um <laughs> access you know to recording but but i'm like you though i don't i know i'm not really interested in going beyond the basic recording i record everything dry no effects no con- no no um mm. Um, uh, you know, no, no reverb, no no compression, nothing. Just and then if I need, then I I always send it off. And if somebody needs to do something with it, edit it or clean it up or whatever, mm-hmm. that's their job. You know, mm-hmm. I I feel there's enough to be doing <laughs> on my side than, than to have to worry about that. You know? Yeah, you kind so. of you learn what the role of a producer is sometimes. I think, don't you? Because it's that mix of doing stuff on your own is great, but there's that like was take five good or was half of take twenty six good and. Yeah. That's difficult. Yeah. I mean, for a lot of the voiceover work I do, they, they usually ask for two or three takes. Mm -hmm. So I'm, for example, I'm working on a, a couple of cartoons, um, uh, for like YouTube cartoons and they would send me, uh, like two verses of a song to sing. Mm -hmm. So very simple, four or five lines, and then maybe a line of text. So I would usually send them three or four takes of each and then they pick what they want. You know, it's, it's kind of, uh, you know, that's good as well because if I have to edit it, the final take that's um then you yeah it depends on what they want so usually the good thing is you do two or three takes or two maybe if it's a longer piece send it off and and they'll do the rest you know so Mm. that's um that's handy Mm. yeah yeah Mm. not not having to do that production side of it either because as, as a voiceover uh or singer or whatever i think that's that's what we do we we give them the material and then they take the rest of it and they they build it up or create their video or whatever they need to do with with what you've given them. Yeah. So, that's, so yeah. That's interesting, like because I think for both uh, acting, voiceover work, and also music stuff, you've experienced both. I think you've done yeah. someone else's project and you're doing a service, whether it's singing for them or it's acting for them. Yeah. But then your own stuff, you're writing, you're creating. I, have you done that with the acting work as well? Have you been involved in in productions that have you've got a bit more creative? Um, uh, skin in the game, if you if you see what I mean. Yeah, um, I mean it's certainly more so in music. Yeah, because um, I I guess I have more to bring to the table, right, with the music side of things. Um, but in voiceover, it's usually um, uh, well, I mean, I, I definitely always help the, the 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 process. Like in 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 Spain, a lot of the problems are in the in translation. So if if there's a bad translation or if things can be said a different way, we'll always we'll always tell them, we'll always say, look, this should be yeah. this way, not that way. And that kind of thing. Um, and, you know, I always try to get as, as involved in anything I'm doing. You know, I, I always try to do something the best I can do it. And obviously sure. that means, you know, give helping them uh, in any way I can, but it's, um, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, because the, the work is so varied. Sometimes it's just A, B and C. There you go. You know, send it off. No problem. And other times it's a little bit more, uh, interpretive a little bit more um uh, uh sort of uh, what's the word um creative i guess would be the best word but but it, it's most of the time it's it's um it's kind of they know what they want 
and you give it to them and you do it, you know? So it's, it's kind of, um, at the moment I'm doing an interesting, I'm doing a podcast actually, which is something I haven't done before. Uh, I'm acting in, in sort of a, a drama series. Mm-hmm. It's a six part, um, podcast and I'm playing the part of Howard Carter, who, uh, if you remember, found, uh, Tutankhamun yeah, found, yeah. uh, in a hundred years ago, this, uh, this, this month or in November, I think November 22nd, uh, 1922 is when they, they discovered it. But, um, but I'm acting in Spanish, which makes it all the more harder because I'm obviously they wanted somebody with a, an accent who can speak Spanish, but, uh, but trying to act in Spanish is different because I'm acting as I would in English. Right. So my inflections are all, as I would in English. So, but for the Spanish, that's very, very kind of weird for them to hear you acting in Spanish, not giving them the same kind of inflections they're used to. <laughs> yes. So there are moments where you have that kind of, uh, uh, you know, clash of yes. of ideas. You know, but it, but it's certainly it, it's a real challenge to me. It's it's probably one of the most difficult things I've done, but but thankfully it's going okay. You know? But very interesting uh, as well for the sounds of things like. Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, the whole podcast thing has become quite big, and the whole idea of dramas and podcasts and series, like six series, a six-part series or whatever. Mm. I've done a couple, mainly in English. Um, no, actually, I've done a, I've done a couple where I had small parts, and you'd go into a studio and you'd have the director there, and she'd be throwing you the ideas, and you'd record a lot of lines in a row, and then you realize that they're just going to cut and paste what they want. Mm. So you're kind of it's very very dynamic in that sense, and she'll throw a line at you, and you'll go, okay. And then, and I'll be like, oh, hang on. Have we just recorded that? Are, you, are we going to do it now? She goes, oh, no, I'm recording everything. And then I'll take what I want. I thought that was interesting. Um, but this one is, is a little bit more, what's well, weird because I'm in the studio and the director is just a voice on Zoom. So I'm not even seeing him. Yes. Not even a video, like I'm seeing you right yeah, now. Yeah. And that's a bit weird, you know, because he's, you know, I'm there on my own in the studio and, and I do three takes and he'd come back and he'd say, okay, now let's do it a little. And, go, and there are moments when you go, do, do I just leave now? <laughs> do I just give up and go? Um, <laughs> but I'm kind of glad that I've had the patience to to see it through because it, it's something I'll, I know I'll be quite proud of when it, when it's done. Yes. You know? So are you, but, are you doing Howard Carter? Cause he was English, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. are you doing Howard Carter in Spanish, but with an English accent? No, I'm not giving him. I'm not doing like you do Howard Carter and all that. <laughs> no, I, I, I do feel that you know. Thankfully, they didn't want me to put any kind of affectation on the voice. Okay. And initially, I had done some samples where I had gone, you know, yes, podemos hacer esto si queréis, you know, and I like, you know, but obviously they want, and at the end, they just wanted my natural voice. They wanted my natural because speaking in Spanish. Uh, with my own accent is sufficient to know for Spanish people to know that you're a giddy. Giddy is a foreigner. Ah, oh, cool. Uh, so they wouldn't necessarily know the difference between an Irish person speaking English sure. and an English person or speaking Spanish, if you know what I mean. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so I'm getting away with it basically. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool, so, though, isn't it? That just the 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 variety of that. So, do you do voiceovers yeah. then in Spanish, where you're being a Spanish person, or will it always be? No, you? I mean, I've never. They've never asked me to speak Spanish as if I was Spanish. No, they because presumably I, I, they have plenty of Spanish people. They, <laughs> that's the thing. They have plenty of Spanish to do that. You know, um, it's like when I, you know, people say, "Why don't you sing in Spanish?" It's like, well, <laughs> they've got know, that covered. <laughs> they have plenty of singers who can sing in Spanish as well. Um, <laughs> But yeah, most a lot of the time they would ask you to do a line or two in an ad or or in a in whatever maybe a, where they want it to be a, a foreigner speaking Spanish, and that's that ha- that comes up in advertising, that comes up sometimes in in documentary work, mm-hmm. um, uh, which is interesting. But the other day, for example, I had to do voices for a documentary on on. Uh, uh, Barcelona, the football team, you know, and uh, um, it's it's for Netflix, I think, or one of those things. But so I had to do three or two or three different voices for two or three different players. So that was a bit fun because I was kind of sticking on a couple of English accents mm-hmm. just to vary it, you know. Mm-hmm. But but I always feel like, for example, if they call me to do an ad and they want, a, sometimes I say British accent. And I'll go, well, do, by British, do you mean Irish, English, Scottish, Wales, you know, or do you want England? Because if they want an English accent, I'd be like, no, I'm not going to do that. Call an English voiceover actor 
and get him to do it because it, it's the same when somebody wants a uh, voiceover from Dublin specifically or from Ireland. Obviously, I, I would hope that they would call an Irish voiceover, and uh, and that, and I think that's kind of respecting what each person does, you know, and and it spreads the work out quite well that way mm. too. So mm, good point. But I remember I did I went in for a job one time and it was specifically for a London based company, a London based product, and I was like. Well, I'm from Dublin, you know, that's not really, and, and it was kind of mutual respect in the, in the sense of, look, you should call somebody who can do this and it'll be more authentic, you know, cause if I do it wrong, if I, if I put on some, you know, I've seen, I've seen snatch many times, but not enough to get away with it. You <laughs> not know to right? convince anyone. <laughs> Is that an experience thing, you know, earlier on in your career? Cause you know, as freelancers, there's always that fear, isn't there, of saying no to stuff, especially if it's booked yeah. as well. Like you're going to be like, you, there's certain yeah. points in careers, I think, where you're so happy or so desperate for any booking that when they ask you to do something, you know, you shouldn't do. There's a temptation somewhere to be like, oh, I can do it. I'll do it. I'll ride the horse. I'll drive. Yeah. The- well, it's an interesting one because I think um, you never like to say no or you never like to get a job and then lose it or get a job and go in there and realize, Oh, I shouldn't be doing this. And a lot of the time, you know, it's only happened a couple of times, thankfully, but, but it usually feels right. Whatever the, 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 your decision at the end of it is. Um, the other day, funnily enough, um, we have a chat uh, on WhatsApp for all the voiceover actors in Madrid. Oh, cool. And, and we, you know, we often sort of like say, Oh, they rang me to do this job, but it's not enough money. So if you get the call, uh, I've said, no, and, and it's kind of like saying, well, we should stick together and not do stuff that's, you know, uh, less than what the normal price should be. And and a lot of the times, fair enough. But the work is also very varied in the sense that I, I would work with different agents who, yeah, they, they might ask you to do a, a job that's not paid as well as normal. And I figure that's kind of part and parcel with the job. You, you take the odd job where it's less than what you should get, knowing that you will get other jobs that are yeah. at the right price. It's so varied, and and you never know what's coming up next. You just have to play it by ear. Mm-hmm. And uh, thankfully, uh, there seems to be enough work out there for it to to go around. You know, which uh, is always the worry. You know, there are ups and downs, and there's bad patches and stuff like that. But I'm kind of lucky because having being a singer as well, uh, I'm getting both sides of of the fence. Uh, you know, so if if the singing work dips in terms of uh, um, quantity, usually it it's uh, balanced off by the the voiceover work. So great. Well, thank, another, thank God. Yeah. Another side of that that's interesting from from my point of view is is just scheduling. So, yeah. um, you know, if you've got a tour booked with Track Dogs, that's going to be. Yeah. I don't know how long your longest tours tend to be, but it's you're talking weeks. I think if you're maybe over in the UK or whatever. No, not usually. I mean, the longest tour we did was this May when we were out with Show of Hands, and we did we did two week two two week blocks okay. in a row. So that was like the longest we've ever done. Uh, we're going out in November and it'll be just six, six days. Uh, but I know what you're going to ask, like what happens when you get a job and you can't do it. And that's frustrating sometimes. Um, I usually bring my equipment with me. I usually bring my Mac and my mic and stuff. And I've actually done jobs from hotel rooms and from the inside of camper vans (laughs) while on tour. And thankfully that that's an option, you know, that's great. But I work with Disney quite a bit. Um, doing the promos for Disney junior. So it's like the the kids, um, sort of the Disney Channel, but they also have Disney Junior, and their their offices are here in Madrid. So I do oh, a lot of the the promos in English for for them. And one of the, and when I'm away now in November, uh, I'm going to be missing a, a gig with them for that. But but thankfully, they're very flexible, and you know it's it's uh, they're cool with that. You know, so great. Yeah. Okay, could you give us a little bit of your your backstory then? So, how is it that you're sat in a room in Madrid writing music and doing voiceovers? What was the sort of road to that? Oh, it's it's a weird, it's a long one. I mean, I was always involved in music as a you know way back in school. I had a school bands and the whole thing, and I was kind of always the guy in in my class who sang, yeah, or who played an instrument. And I did the school musical when I was in sixth year, which is you know uh, um, secondary school here. And or in, in Dublin, and I was always involved in music, but and always wanted to to try to do it professionally. Like that was always my dream. But uh, we're talking mid eighties, you know. So I left school, went to university because it was kind of the thing to do. <laughs> went to study. I did psychology and um, 
as a that was my main like you know sort of uh, uh, degree. Yeah, so I did three years psychology, and then I did a postgraduate business oh, again. Cool. You know, yeah. just to sort of kill time and stay in university and all that. Is this in Ireland but still? Which you this is in Ireland. Yep. Yeah, 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 in Dublin. So, um, but I was always doing music, and I was always working as a backing vocalist. I was doing backing vocals. Uh, sort of on TV for for bands that would come in. I'd get the call to go on and do do that, oh, or I would cool. be playing piano in piano bars, um, and that led on to to working as a backing vocalist in the Eurovision. Oh, awesome! <laughs> yeah, for two years in a row, and I was backing singer for two wins, two two Irish wins. Coincidence? Was, Can't be a coincidence, surely? <laughs> that they did so well. well. You know, of course, <laughs> having having me on the team. No, that was 92 and 93. So these were singers that I actually uh, had met as a backing singer and as a, as a piano player on the scene in Dublin. And so they asked me to sing with them. One of them was a girl called Neve Kavna. And Neve is a, an amazing uh, soul and R&B singer who sang on the soundtrack to Alan Parker's movie, The Commitments. Okay, I think cool. you might remember yeah, that from yeah. the early 90s. Yeah. Every single person in Dublin who was a musician or actor <laughs> went for the audition for that movie, you know. And and Neve was an amazing singer, and she sang several tracks on the on the soundtrack. And then so she invited me to sing with her in in nine, that was ninety three, and again we, you know we won. So I had two years in a row, one with Neve, uh, Linda Martin, who's an Irish um, singer, and then Neve Kavanagh. And it was great because I got to meet a lot of the Irish TV and radio people as well which helped me set set up for my own releases mm-hmm. after that, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so basically through the nineties, I was gigging and singing and trying to make a living as a full-time musician. I was working in, in musicals as, you know, uh, playing as musical director. I was doing so anything and everything basically. And, um, and through a relationship that I had, uh, you know, that sort of led me to Spain in 99 and I was a little, I was burnt out. I was completely burnt out from playing gigs in Ireland, and uh, I just needed something different. I didn't feel it was going anywhere, mm. and we, we'd had a little bit of success, and and it was a really really good band. I was actually we were we were gigging an awful lot, and I was very proud of it. But I just didn't at that moment in time. I was you know I was twenty nine thirty, and I just felt I don't know what I'm doing, you know. And I had so I just went to Spain and gave it all up, and disappointed a lot of people and. You know, and and followed my heart, which which in a way was the right thing to do because mm-hmm. I ended up coming to Madrid, working as a singer, English teacher, and then eventually meeting the guys from Track Dogs. So it was kind of like full circle to to move away with the intention of giving up my musical sort of pursuits and all that and creative pursuits, and then coming back to find it, you know, in with more passion and more and more focus so it's a it's a kind of a i don't know if it's serendipitous or destiny but it was it was the thing i had to do so do you think that time out then where you're like i i'm I'm done with that i don't want to do that anymore Mm. and then it kind of grabs you again did the time out help in that sense then like when you came back to it did you have a different approach different view on it all yeah i mean i i had I guess I had always been sort of, I was never able to just drop it. Like I was always writing songs. I was yeah. always, you know, and, and and then I might start doing some gigs on my own, just in, in, in bar, Irish bars, whatever. Um, but it, it, what gave me perspective was knowing what I didn't want, because I came to Spain and, and then I did eventually start working with musicians here and, and recording and things like that. Mm. But I never felt, it always felt wrong. It didn't feel like this is me. This is exactly what I want to do. This right. is this you know and i and i wasn't being perhaps um uh honest with myself enough and i wasn't maybe being clear with my own ideas i mean that was my own fault maybe it was just youth or might have been just purely not knowing enough of what i wanted to 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 make the right choices so when i did eventually meet the guys and we and we got together in like 2006 or something like that it was as clear as day was that moment of ding you know this is where i want to be these are the guys i want to play with this is the kind of music and so that that was that was kind of a revelatory moment definitely you know and um and and having come from what i'd done in the previous 10 years it was very clear to me well if i'm ever going to do music again mm. 
it's going to be like this, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So 17 years later, we're <laughs> still, still together. So it says a lot, you know, I, that, that first moment where I had that buzz, that chemistry, it, it's, uh, it's there. It's maintained. Know, it, it's, What's so interesting about the Trap Dogs? Well, many things are interesting, but none of you are Spanish for a Spanish-based band. So you've got two Irish guys, an American and a Brit, who've met, yeah. though, in, in Spain. So what were the circumstances around meeting? Was it through music or was it through being expats? It, it was mainly through being expats because we were working... I was working in a school, um, an English language academy, and Howard, who's the trumpet player from Sheffield in Trap Dogs, he worked there as a teacher as well. Awesome. But funnily enough, even though we knew each other and sort of chatted and talked about music and I knew he played trumpet, the opportunity or even the idea of playing together did not come up, funnily enough. And But across the road, there was an Irish bar and Dave, the bass player, uh, the Irish fellow, he worked in, as a barman. Mm. So I would go there and play gigs uh, in the bar and I would borrow the the equipment to do gigs in other places and all that <laughs> and myself and Dave just started talking and he had done some acting work he was in a Spanish movie he'd just been sort of cast oh, right. for for his general demeanor and his his attitude and his looks and everything and he got cast in this movie so we had kind of we were talking about that and and he grew up very close to me he grew up in Bray, which is literally just down the road from Dunleary, which is where we both grew up on the east coast of Dublin, south of, of the city. And we had crossed paths as kids, like playing in, in Battle of the Bands and things like oh, this. Wow. We had both been at the same, you know. Did you did you know like that. that before talking about it? Or did you remember each other? Or just you know? No, 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 no. We only we only figured that out, you know, much later. Hi, cool. Yeah, so that was funny. And um so so what, what yeah and then he, Robbie who's the American guy with the beard and track dogs he had done Irish sessions in the Irish bar so Dave introduced me to Robbie and myself and Robbie were doing gigs on the cajon and guitar just you know playing in restaurants and stuff like that and uh and so we kind of we, we had all been playing together in doing bits and pieces. And then, and then uh, Robbie went back to New York for several months to work uh, with a bluegrass band. And, uh, and I got a gig, I was offered a gig supporting a band called Keela, who are an Irish trad band, very, mm. very well-known uh, world music trad band. They were coming to Madrid. So I, I bumped into Howard on the Metro and I said, Howard, I don't, I've got a gig coming up. Would you be interested in playing trumpet? It was just, and he said, yeah, yeah, great. So, so it was trumpet, me and Cajon, but it wasn't Robbie. It was some other guy, another guy that Robbie knows who plays Cajon. It's a bit, it's a bit of a complicated story. I'm following. <laughs> I think anyways, I'm with it so far. So we did the what? I think I'm following so far. I'm with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's funny actually. I'll, I'll after I finish, I'll, I'll tell you a funny story as well. But um, so I had we did this gig with trumpet, guitar, and Cajon, and it worked really well. And Robbie's wife was there at the gig, and she immediately said to him, "Robbie, come back from New York." you need to get this band together with Garrett, you know? <laughs> and so Robbie eventually did come back. And I think that October of the same year, I rang, you know, I said to Dave, Robbie and Howard, let's get together. I have an idea for, for a band. And they had not met all e- each other at that point. So none of them knew Howard, although I knew each of them. And, and that's why the first rehearsal was, was this moment of meeting each other for the first time and then getting all getting this sort of feeling of this chemistry from the word go. Uh, and that was special. It was really special. And being four expats living in Madrid, it became something that our social life, you know, was was um, sort of um, uh, based around as well. And, and then a couple of years after we got together, we decided to open up our own company, mm. our own label, mm. to, to allow us to – because in Spain, having your own company, it's, it's very complicated to set up a company. It's not like in – in the UK or Ireland where you can, you know, you can set it up for, for very little money and you can, and then you can be trading as mm-hmm. or whatever. But in Spain, it's, it's complicated. You have to go through uh, no, notaries and you have to have 3000 euro in the bank oh, okay. and you have to have, it, it's, it was quite a headache because, you know, it, for the, for the four of us, it, it, it was, there were times when we were like, what are we doing this for? This is mm. nuts, you know, but, but we still have the company and, and it works very well for, from the point of view of, of having a focus for the business and being able to run all of our expenses through that. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's amazing, really. I mean, I never thought we'd, you know, that 
day when we first got together, I never expected that we'd have recorded nine albums together, be still playing 17 years later and things be getting better every year. And, you know, it's, it's an amazing feeling, or I guess it's sort of, um, uh, you know, it's, it's very satisfying to, to know that that feeling we had was the right one. Yeah. You know? And it's maintained. Yeah, yeah. So, so this is what's yeah. so, so fascinating about it. So I met you guys earlier this year cause I opened for you in, yeah. uh, which word, which word. Yeah. yeah. And it's just, you know, as a band, you were really inspiring, but then chatting to you as well was for me was like, Oh, that's really cool. Hearing some of that stuff. Because, like, yeah. just being a band for 17 years, like, I don't really know how people do that. Because, and yeah. it's interesting because you said to me, like, oh, being solo is really hard. Like, like yeah. you kind of said you wouldn't want to do it at this point. And I'm thinking, but being in a band must be really hard, especially for 17 years. So I'm wondering, yeah. like, but I think probably, was it the fact that in the past maybe you've gone out as Garrett and the mm. whatever's doing your thing, whereas this is a band? Because something I've always wondered looking at other musicians, and I've tried it a bit myself, is like yeah. if you're the guy that's writing the songs and all that sort of stuff, how do you keep the others bothered? Unless you can pay them really well, which maybe you can't. But how do you yeah. keep everybody on board? Whereas if it's a thing and everyone's invested in it, is is that the difference? Yeah, definitely, definitely. For me, anyway, because I had that was one of the things I got burnt out with in the '90s in Ireland because I, I was going out as m- myself, Garrett Wall Band or whatever, and the musician, the band were were mercenaries. They were session yeah. musicians, right? They were breadheads, as we'd say, and <laughs> but they kind of just sucked the life out of me in that sense, and and it was it got to the point where, you know, you're paying all this money. And you think, okay, fine, these guys, these guys earn it, and and they're worth it, and they're worth more, but but it is also very soul destroying sometimes, you know. And 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 at the end of the day, you're on your own. It's you. So when I and the same thing happened to me in Spain when I first started recording and playing in Spain, I started working with a bunch of Spanish musicians, and it was the same experience, just not enough, um, not enough uh, sort of, as you say. Um, commitment or 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 uh chemistry it's all just money 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 pay the lads and and i always felt like yes you know the, the tough thing about s- solo artists is that um when they change band members and they change lineups it, it, you know it, it does have an effect on on how they play and 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 you know and I think it's a very difficult thing to keep uh, to keep that sort of what's the word a continuity mm. as a solo artist, mm-hmm. and that's why a lot of folks don't have bands; they go out on their own because they control then how it sounds, what they do with it. But it's a very tough. I mean, I know Ed Sheeran's doing great as a solo artist; he's you know amazing what he's done, and there are a lot of other folks going out as solo artists that maybe have one or two musicians with them, and, mm-hmm. and they're creating amazing soundscapes, and 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 that's awesome. But um, but in our case. I feel that, you know, the four of us, it's like a, the gestalt thing, you know, it's the sum of the parts is greater than, you know, you know, the, the, the than the individual members. So we have, I think the, the chemistry that we have together um, is both on and off stage, the way we get on with each other, we're, we're great friends. Uh, and that's, that in a way has kept us together, but also the fact that we've had um, momentum, We've had mm. things get better. We've had things to to work towards, and and I, as a songwriter, was the main songwriter at the beginning, but since then, Robbie has become a very good songwriter. Howard has written stuff. Dave has written stuff. We all share royalties together. That's very important for everything. So, is that for, for, huh? across the board for everything? It's the full name. Every song, every song we've ever written, we each have a share of. Okay, you know, and uh, even if it's a song that I only do with on my own. On, on the album or do with, with one other member. Like, so we, th- that's always been very important because it's, um, it's a way of, of, well, it's a, it's an incentive as well, because if, if finally we do, you know, uh, have a breakaway hit, or if we have a couple of songs that, that end up doing, having their own life, well, you know, it'll, that's a, a nice little thing to have as, as a, a recompense for, for all of the work we've done, you know? So, um, so I think, yeah, the, the, our, our, our situation as well is different. The fact that we all live in Spain, there's a, there's a unifying uh, element to that as well. If we were living in the UK or Ireland, I think it'd be harder to keep it together because the lads would probably be busier, you know. Hmm. And even at this stage, I think if Howard decided to move back to the UK for a while or anything like that, it, I think it would, 
it wouldn't affect us continuing because we've we've been together so long and we, we have our dynamic now that I think it'll keep going. Hmm. Hopefully, anyway. Yeah. yeah, great. And do you think yeah. the fact in terms of audiences and stuff, so when you play in Spain, you're not Spanish people. So is there some sort of um, glamour to that? But then likewise, if you come to the UK you're from somewhere yeah. else so is yeah. there some is there some element of that like never a profit in your own land do you think do you think that's something that's helped with that's true that's true i mean in spain because we're doing the kind of music we do and in english uh we have good audience base um but it's always going to be affected by the fact that we don't sing in spanish there's always a a ceiling in a way to, mm. to that and and that affects a lot of a lot of um foreign artists yeah. that come here as well um but but it's interesting. We have a very uh, most of our Spotify listeners are in Spain. Interestingly enough, far more than what we have in the UK, mm-hmm. which is strange. But we've got a bigger audience in in the UK for gigs than we have here. So it's it's an interesting one. And and in a way, we're we're still building because you know the pandemic, you know, cut our momentum for a couple of years. Um, so we're picking up where we left off, and and we're building slowly. Um, but right now, what our, our focus is to take it beyond, uh, you know, UK, Spain, Ireland and into into Europe a bit more and things like that. So, um, yeah, and, and it's just exploring new new things, you know, and, um, you know, the, the UK has been incredible because they've really opened their arms to us in, in the, the whole folk festival, folk circuit world as well. And uh you know it's just it's a funny one being two irish american and english man you know uh jokes aside <laughs> walking into <laughs> bars and all that um the we, i guess the fact that we mix a lot of spanish rhythms in our music and incorporate our you know we have the cajon which is a very flamenco instrument and the trumpet which is maybe associated with the latin you know, mariachi and all that kind of thing. So I don't know. It, it just seems to have worked. Mm. It, it's a strange one, but I guess we're doing something different and we've built our own sound over that many years, which I think sometimes it takes that many years to find something that you can call your own. And it, thankfully it's working. Yeah. Is there an element <laughs> of having to convince people? So like, you know, starting out gigging and stuff and and people ask you, what is your music? What is it you play? Even radio shows when you're trying to pitch your, your tunes and stuff. And yeah. in my experience, people do like things to be in a box a bit. You know, like, yeah, that sounds like that. That can go on a show with that. You'll, this festival, whereas you guys have a very uh, musically mixed sound, I would say, which yeah. I think is a great thing. But has there been any elements of when you're pitching that to people? I guess at the end of the day, it's just, well, just listen and see what we do. That's the only way to explain it. That's it. I mean, there's definitely been a bit of that. I mean, some people would be not as into the trumpet and the trumpet is a very important part of our sound or they might not be as into, um, you know, the cajon. We don't have drums. We mainly use cajon and stuff like that. So our sound is, is uh, you know, a little bit more acoustic, sorry, acoustic or whatever. But um, it's, yeah, it, ha- it has possibly been um, harder for people to pigeonhole us. So in a way, it's it's been harder to maybe define ourselves over time but but i usually find that once people see us play live and once they get a sense of what we do um that's that's the kind of the 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 key thing because if you hear our music on spotify or you hear one song depending on what song it is whether it's something with with the latino feel or it could be just something more straightforward or it could be a bluegrass tune there's no way you can make a decision based on one track but some folks have to their own detriment, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But what can you do about that? You can't really ever control that. No. You, know, you just got to do what you do and move forward. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. What are the differences in like your own um, mentality, I suppose, and experience between being a musician in your 20s, your 30s, your, your 40s or whatever? Is there? Yeah. A, what's the differences or, or is there not that much? Um. Well, it's funny because, you know, I feel very fortunate to be doing what I'm doing because a lot of my contemporaries in Ireland, some of them are very successful. You know, I mean, a lot of the people that I grew up with um, and started playing with like Damien Rice and Glenn Hansard and all those people, they were contemporaries of mine in Dublin on the acoustic scene. And we played gigs together. We played in the same songwriter clubs. Oh, okay. And and it's amazing to see that success, you know, and and, and then there's others who, who are just gigging around Dublin. Others who have not uh, not managed to leave Ireland in that sense, but 
But it, but it is an amazing thing that most of the people I grew up with and started playing with are active in some way. Um, so I feel very fortunate to be doing, to be, uh, you know, to have come to Spain and to have found my way back into that world is, is kind of, uh, it still blows my mind in a way, you know? And, you know, when I was younger, I, I, it's funny because I've never been a musician for the sake of mu- of music. I don't know if that makes sense. I've never, you know, because I always play as to to write songs. I've never tried to be a musician, apart from being a singer. Like, I think the only thing I do sort of professionally in that sense would be as a singer working mm-hmm. for other people. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, you know, like, for example, if Track Dog stopped playing tomorrow, I don't know if I would continue to be gigging as much as I am, or I don't know if I would continue. Uh, it's, a, it's a tough one because I feel so, everything I do musically is so wrapped up in Track Dogs. Um, and I understand that, like, for example, we spoke about the pandemic. People were saying, oh, you, you know, you got, how did you get through the pandemic? And we got through the pandemic because the band was not the focus of our income. If it had been, we would have been in trouble. But the fact that we were able to keep doing it uh, is because it, it wasn't uh, the nucleus of our, of our work and our, our income in that sense. So, um, but for me, since I was in my 20s, it's the same thing. I've always played music. Uh, I love it. I love singing. I love singing. I love writing. And if it could be the one thing I do and nothing else, I'd be very happy with that. But I know how tough it is. It's not something that you can always do. Um, I've incorporated it into my life in a way that I never expected, you know, both writing songs with other people, uh, writing lyrics, singing, um, you know, work touring with the band, uh, singing advertising, singing on movie soundtracks. I mean, I couldn't ask for more as a professional in that sense, the opportunities I'm getting. So, but it's, it's definitely been a learning curve and very much so to accept what it is that I want for myself. You know, I'm happy with myself. I'm happy with what I can do and what I'm able to give to other people. And so everything else is like a bonus. Everything else is like, wow, thank you very much. You know, there's, I don't have this uh, desire or, or overriding sort of like need to be more successful or, or no, none of that, you know, I mean, it's, it's kind of open arms to whatever comes in, you know, but, but I'm, I feel very content with, with my own uh, sort of achievements to date, you know? So I think. And is, has that know. always been your attitude or is that something that has changed with, um, with experience and the things that you're doing? I think I, I think it's definitely I've become it's, it has come with years. It has come with let's say wisdom, mm. <laughs> maybe, and that's it. Without you know, but I, I guess it's something I've just felt. You know, uh, maybe having a, having a family has been very helpful for that reason as well. You know, to have so much in your life to be thankful for. You know, that's that's the key to be thankful because God, I never thought I'd be working as a full time voiceover singer songwriter in Madrid, you know, in my early fifties, you know, when, uh, I know that a lot of people would love to be able to do that. You know, so I'm kind of, I, I, you have to appreciate what you've got at the, at always, you know, at whatever. And I think I've always appreciated that. I think I've always been thankful and sort of naive in the sense that I'm, I'm still loving every angle of this business, you know, and every day is a new day. And, every new phone call or, or gig or opportunity is like, wow, you know? So if you don't lose that, if you don't become tired or cynical, I think you can get a lot out of it. Yeah. You know? Great. And that point then about family, that's something I'm, you know, I think about a lot recently yeah. is, is that thing of like how, um, how having kids and stuff fits into a creative lifestyle because it's such a unpredictable lifestyle it can be quite a selfish lifestyle you know some of the best gigs take you away from home possibly and all that sort of stuff so how how does that work but then I've also spoken to people who will say that actually it's helped in a way because it focuses the mind on what you want to do and what you you should do and like we were talking about earlier saying no to stuff when there's a couple of other people dependent on you actually it focuses your mind on what's worth doing or not maybe Is, is that something you found yeah, oh, definitely. I mean, it's it's tough for me, you know, with two kids. Definitely when the second, you know, girl came along, you know, it definitely made things even more complicated and more more uh, um, sort of put, put more things on the line in that sense, you yeah. know. Uh, and touring is difficult because you're missing your family. You're, you feel you're 
It, and also you feel you have to justify it to yourself. You have to go, well, is this tour working? Is this tour necessary? Um, because I'm away from home. I'm, I'm not working in Madrid and I'm, you know, so what are we doing here? You know, mm. so so it, it makes you more responsible. It makes you work harder to make that, you know, justifiable in every sense. Um, having family support is huge. My wife is a huge supporter of what I do. You know, she, she that would be, if she wasn't, uh, I couldn't do it. Mm. You know, let's face mm. it, you know. Mm. And that, that's, and my whole family, extended family, my mother-in-law here who helps us a lot, uh, my family in Ireland. And th- that's such a such an important factor. Um, but having kids is a wonderful thing because, yeah, you, you you have something really to focus your energy, focus your your ambitions as well. And, and they're realistic at the same time. Um, and, well, my, my daughter, my nine-year-old, is, is now singing and acting as well. So uh, that's, that's very, you know, it's a, it's a wonderful feeling as well. I'm very proud of, of what she's been doing and, and to be able to share, you know, I'm singing with her on, on the odd project as well. So that's, that's amazing. So, yeah, I mean, family for me just enriches your life. There's no doubt about it. And if you find a way to make all those elements work together, it's, it's wonderful, you know, but it, but it can be tough. I imagine if, if, you know, if you have children, but you're not with your, you're not with your partner and, and you don't get on and, and uh, having children is, it becomes, it's still the wonderful experience, but it can become very jarring in your life when there's animosity. Mm. I can understand that would be very difficult. So I'm, I'm thankful as well that I have that support. Because it means I can go away for a week or like next year, we've got loads of tours coming up. We've got two or three week tours, both in April and in November, plus the festival season in the middle. And and it's daunting, you know, because I know I'm going to be away for another 10 days and I'm back for four days. Then I'm away for another week and creates pressure at home, you know, because we have to, you know, have people here to help out. And and as our two-year-old get or as the younger one gets older, that will be easier. But you know yourself. It's, yeah, yeah. it's never easy. Never no, easy, you know. But very interesting, um, I suppose. And I was just thinking about that with the same with the, the band. I guess you got to multiply that four times. So what, whatever yeah. tours coming up, they've got their own stuff going on. They've got to work things around as well. Just logistics must be tricky, I guess. Everybody, yeah. But we're, I mean, we're good. Thankfully, we're all pretty focused on that. You know, Robbie works as a full time, uh, you know, musician and and voiceover like me. Dave teaches he's a music teacher in a secondary school but they're very flexible with his time which is great because he's he's a well uh respected and valued member of of the staff so that's great and howard as well as a teacher and a musician so we're we're all flexible enough and our families know that you know this project is is going somewhere so if if we were just taking the piss and going out on tour and you know and it wasn't going anywhere. I wouldn't expect anybody to support us. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So, so I think it's it's the fact that we've we've always approached it, or certainly I have. I've always approached it as as we're doing this to go somewhere with it. it there's no point in just doing it to do it. There has to be a uh, you know an end goal, whether we get there or not. But at least we're working towards that. You know, the journey is more important than than anything else. But but having a certainly having a direction is 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 key to all of that putting all the elements together definitely yeah so for a final but, thought then on, on that what is mm. your definition of a successful thing whether it's a song an album a show a tour what would be the thing that you can come back say you've got your two weeks away or whatever in yeah. the uk coming back and saying that was a success because uh, what's that thing well <clears throat> well i mean if you're playing to new audiences and you're building your audience. I mean, if you're selling more tickets every time, obviously that's, you know, numbers, it's great. Or if you're selling merch. So from, from purely number point of view, if we are, if we are able to cover our costs and come back with more or less what we would have earned while we were in Spain, that's, that's from a purely, you know, uh, practical point of view, that's important because we all have mortgages or rent to pay and stuff. So, so we have to be responsible for that. First of all, but secondly, if we feel that we have, um, you know, taken a, another step forward in, in both our reputation and, and, and our, our brand, you know, what, what we are as a band, it, that, that's also important. So it's, it's a two-pronged thing. It has to be um, that we've grown as a band musically and that we've stepped forward um, yeah, and, and covered our costs and, and done it 
responsibly in that sense. Yeah. So it's, it's a tough one sometimes. Um, we're trying to break new ground in, in where we play uh, at the moment. We're trying to do venues that we haven't played before. Uh, uh, we, we've done a lot of, you know, village halls and theaters that are sit, sit down sort of gigs. We're mm-hmm. trying to do more st- gigs, you know, to maybe younger audiences, mm-hmm. uh, clubs and that, in that sense. So, yeah, so it's that, that might not be as immediate, you know, we're going to be doing some gigs that might not work the first time, but, but you know, that's all part of it as well. Mm. Yeah. Great. Garrett, thank you so much for chatting to me. That has been fascinating. If people wanted to catch up with you and the band, what's the best place to find out info about all that stuff? Um, well, I guess the best place would be the website, trackdogsmusic.com. Um, and, you know, we have most of our stuff there. We're all, on, you know, we're on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. You can usually find us at Track Dogs or Track Dogs Music. And, and we hope uh, we hope to have you with us another sometime in the future. You, we really enjoy playing with you in Witchwood. So how, you're gigging and acting and doing comedic <laughs> Well, you're doing everything, basically. Yeah, I, you know, the little gag I come out with is a portfolio career, so it's doing lots of different things that make no money in, you know. <laughs> but yeah, so that would be awesome. I, you know, I enjoyed seeing you and meeting you and getting to play, yeah. you know, before your show and stuff was great. And it'd be cool to get up and and do a bit with you at yeah. some point if that was a thing as well. Because I've noticed that you you'll do that. Some you're quite an yeah. open band, I think. Like if someone's calling there in the room, get them up and do a tune. Absolutely. Whatever, which is, well, that's great. what we have to do next time. We'll have to figure out something we can do together. And, and, and apart from the music, I want to see your improv sometime. Okay. I, I'm well, very curious to see that. All right. Well, if you're around in the UK at some point that we do that, I'll get, you know, definitely come and see. Yeah. Yeah, big that was, time. Big time. And another thing I was going to be curious about, actually, is earlier on in my doing stuff, I was very much, you got to keep these things apart because if you're trying to be a musician, you write songs, mm. people knowing that you're also trying to uh, do some funny thing over here, and you know. And then also I teach people guitar and do music session stuff. And at one yeah. point I was like, no, you got to keep that separate because you won't look like a, the real deal then. You know? And then suddenly, you go oh that's all bullshit isn't it and it's all the same thing like whatever these things you're doing it's all the same thing it's all part and parcel you cannot separate them and neither should you you know because either way they're all part they're all you know part of the journey yeah and sometimes you'd be surprised that you know the one thing that leads you on to the next thing will come from where you don't expect oh yeah and it won't just come from you know uh the usual sort of slog it's sometimes very very strange the way things develop so being involved in many things in my experience is the best way to go because uh well a we can't afford not to be we have you know most of us have to be involved in many things and secondly it's far more interesting and yeah and you know fruitful uh, and as i say you, you know i think it's um in our experience and i have to say that is that is almost uh, you know the 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 basis behind track dogs. That's why we're doing what we're doing. That's why we are where we're at, wherever that is. It's because of our, our love and, and um, we don't put limits on ourselves. We don't, Mm. uh, you know, we love to play. We love to meet people. We love to mix and match. We love, you know, we're, we're not sort of, uh, you know, we like, all we have to do it this way and we can't do that because it'll look weird or, or, you know, not at all. It's like everything and anything. And uh, Hey, you know absolutely i am 100 percent with you on that great okay garrett thank you so much i'll speak to you again soon and um all right thanks for taking the time no my pleasure thanks rob see you soon